I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Today I'm excited to welcome Jeffrey D. Allred to The Church News Podcast. Jeff has worked as a photojournalist for the past three decades. In addition to recording history for the Deseret News, he has worked as a freelancer for the New York Times, the USA Today, and numerous other publications. He's been nominated for a Pulitzer Prize and received a lot of awards from the Society of Professional Journalists and other media organizations. I have been on numerous work assignments with Jeff, where he has viewed seminal moments of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints through the lens of his camera. Most important... I count him among my friends. Jeff, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Sarah. We are good friends, aren't we? (laughs) Jeff, let's start today looking back at your career as a photojournalist, the things you've seen, the places you've been. That's a big, long answer. The beauty of photojournalism is that I get to go everywhere. I have this incredible front seat to history. So I've been to Olympic Games, I've been to NBA Finals. I've covered natural disasters. I've covered wonderful things, temple uh, dedications. I've been to many countries, probably, I think the last count I had was about 50 countries in the world. I've been to every U.S. state, and most of those states I've photographed in. So it's just been an incredible journey. Well, and you've had many, many opportunities to be present at some seminal moments in the history of the church. So let's talk about some of those. I remember after I first came to the Deseret News 25 years ago, uh, just a few years in, the church celebrated the sesquicentennial of the pioneers entering the Salt Lake Valley. As part of that, you went on a wagon trip. Can you tell me some of the highlights of that experience? I would love to. This was such a fun thing to do. I think as a photojournalist, we sometimes take just one photo and we're done. One photo and we're done. This gave me an opportunity to cover an event for three months. So the Pioneer reenactment went from winter quarters to the Salt Lake Valley. And what they tried to do is they tried to mimic the Pioneer Trek. So as each day progressed, they tried to follow the same route tried to follow the same mileage. So if the pioneers originally went 12 miles in one day, we tried to do the same thing. And it was just fun to shoot. People were in wagons. They were walking. They were riding horseback. They were pulling handcarts. They were doing everything. And so as a photographer, you get up with these people at sunrise. You photograph them all day long. You photograph them dancing and eating at the end of the day as the light is beautiful. And this made for some pretty incredible photographs. And I was really happy to go on that. Was there a learning that you took? Uh, did you gain a greater appreciation for the pioneers or the people who settled Utah? Or? So I come from pioneer an- ancestry. So my my great fourth great grandfather and fifth great grandfather traveled this very route and they made it from Missouri all the way to the Salt Lake Valley and then went various places. So it really touched my heart to be able to go on the same journey. It was it was incredible. And as we went through the plains of Nebraska and through Wyoming, I just kept thinking, wow, what would that have been like 150 years ago? Because this 
took place on the 150th anniversary. And so it was a lot of fun just to see the scenes and to record them, to photograph them with my camera. And it was it was beautiful. One of the things that has defined my career is the opportunity to be with members at the time a temple is dedicated in their city. Now, you've been to a few temple dedications. I suspect one of the most memorable for you would have been the church's 100th temple dedication in the year 2000 in Boston. I, I was, I, I'll just use the word blessed to be able to go back on that. Uh, here we have a temple in a pretty populated area. And at the time, President Hinckley wanted this temple to be built there. We had people like Mitt Romney, who was the governor of the area. Um, the thing that really touched me was that as I covered this dedication, there were members of the church who were helping out with this. I remember they, there was one woman that had won the Pulitzer Prize. She was out directing traffic. Okay, you're going to go in here, park here. This is where you walk to the temple. Uh, there was uh, other people that were I – mean, you, you talk about these notable Bostonians, and it, it was really – kind of fun to, to see this. And then, uh, you know me, Sarah, I like to climb everywhere and get every vantage point I can. So at the time I'm thinking, I want to be on the roof of the Boston temple. And I <laughs> said, Hey, I get me on the roof. I got to shoot photos at sunset on the roof of the temple. And so they said, okay, if you don't ask, you don't get right. So I, I was able to go up on the roof and shoot the beautiful sunset with the temple in the foreground and, and uh, you know, lighting and photography is probably the most important thing. I mean, it's probably the thing. So I had to do this right as the sun was setting and it just made for this incredible picture. Now the Boston temple, if you'll recall, didn't have a, a steeple. It didn't have a Moroni on it. didn't have any of that because according to the city, ordinance, I believe at the time, they didn't allow it. So there was just kind of this big kind of square, squared off front and the temple wasn't very pretty. And, and later, later they got this beautiful spire and it was, it was, it was gorgeous. But I, I'm just trying to look for any advantage I can to make this kind of plain boxy building look better than it was. All temples are pretty. <laughs> okay, I, I stand corrected. <laughs> and it was in a very beautiful area too, wooded, um, hilly. It was it was very pretty. Well, if if temples are this moment that that represent a hope and a looking forward, there's also times when things are very hard to cover. I suspect some of the assignments that you've been on, where you've had to cover disasters, or um, you know, times when, when human beings are actually suffering would be some of, of the hardest assignments you've received. You, you did go to Haiti after that horrific earthquake. Uh, can you tell us what it was like to be there among those people at that time? Yes. Uh, Haiti occurred in 2010. So this was 10 years ago. And it was difficult, number one, just to get into the country. There was martial law declared. The U.S. Air Force took over the airport in Port-au-Prince. So just trying to get into the country was difficult. Once we got into the country, it was scary. There were people doing things they shouldn't be doing and lots of firearms. You didn't want to ever be out after dark. I mean, it, it was it was kind of a, from a safety perspective, very difficult. But um, 
there were some pluses too. So back to the earthquake, a lot of people died. A lot of people, a lot of buildings were ruined. A lot of people's lives were changed forever. Haiti is a country where, let's just say they're struggling before the earthquake. And then you add an earthquake on top of that and it makes it even worse. So we saw a lot of death, a lot of destruction. There was one nursing school that totally pancaked, collapsed. And we drove by that each day on our route to get out to the city. You could just smell the death. And it was horrific. It was horrific. And I don't think I'll ever forget it. There were tents set up, medical tents. The French would come in, the Swiss, uh, the Germans. They all had their medical tents, and they would perform surgeries on these poor, injured people. And going into these tents, the cries for help and the cries of pain, I'll never forget. I will never forget it. But there were – God, I get emotional just talking about it. There were a couple really – Interesting things that happened, though. There was one day we were driving around the city, and there was a Christian revival happening. Well, this Christian revival uh, had people thanking their Lord for their lives. They were grateful that they were alive. And this made for just a beautiful, beautiful photographs of a woman stretched out uh, thanking, thanking deity for being able to live. The other plus was a woman that was pregnant during the earthquake and just had her, her, her house, which is most of them are made of cinder blocks. So as these cinder blocks would shake and fall, it would kind of brush against them and scrape their arms. And this caused infection. And that's how a lot of people died and how a lot of people lost their, their limbs because of this infection. Well, anyway, she got out of her structure, her home that she was sharing with many family members and was unscathed. She's pregnant. She's unscathed. She gives birth the next day. And I can't remember where she gave birth, but she needed a place to rest. She needed a place to go be with her newborn child. And she found an LDS ward. And the, of course the church takes in one and all. They, they fed her, they clothed her, there was restrooms. And I came across this scene and she, there's this woman, she's in the hallway at the church there, the LDS church. She's holding her newborn. The beautiful morning light is coming through the window and it made for this incredible image. And it's like, you know, you see these things not very often. You see them occasionally. But when you see these kind of photographs, it's just like, that's it. And you focus in and you don't let anything distract you and you just work that situation. And it didn't take much time just to get this beautiful image of this woman that had had new birth, new life come out of something that created a lot of death. So anyway, that image ran on the front page of the Deseret News, ran in the church news. It ran as a cover in the ensign. And it hung huge in our offices for a lot of years. And we looked at that when we entered because it was this signal of hope that yeah. that from really horrible things from ashes can can come rebirth it's yeah. it's the classic tale of the phoenix yeah yeah exactly so so we do see this destruction we see this death we see this misery yet we see some good things come out of it too i i noticed that uh the church was there the church was there in force 
and there were Mormon helping hands shirts everywhere. And there was supplies and water. Water was difficult to get. Uh, food was difficult to get. And it was so difficult to get that when the church would truck in these big loads, there was an armed guard protecting this stuff. I mean, there was a man with a machine gun protecting this stuff, this this food, this, this supplies. And uh, it was great to see that somebody stepped up. I mean, I think the, this, this phrase has been used before, but I really literally heard this. They said the people there were like, oh, yeah, they, these, these churches are so great. There's, there's, the, uh, there's the Mormon church that just keeps bringing stuff in. And then there's this other church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And they just kept helping us. And I've heard that before, but I've literally heard that in Haiti. Well, and that's probably been a thread that you have seen in all of the other disasters that you've covered, that the Church of Jesus Christ is there for uh, both its own members and for others in the community. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Hurricane Katrina in the South, uh, U.S. South, um, Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, uh, was devastating. And people were losing their homes. They were losing their lives. The church was there. I mean, uh, Elder Elder Packer, President Packer, I can't remember at the time, uh, Bishop Burton were there. And they brought in all these supplies. And it was kind of interesting, not even just the general authorities, but on a stake level, there was – we came across one stake that the city of New Orleans had charged with – going out and helping people. So they said, you guys are in charge with your small boats, with your fishing boats to go out, take supplies, bring people in, rescue them. And they let the stake take over the city of New Orleans, a stake. So you got to see that they had trust and they knew the job would get done. It was really interesting. So as we went into the stake center, there's the stake president. He's got the map. He's directing people. He's pointing, shouting. He's telling where to go, where you need to go. They've got this uh, wonderful radio system. And this is a church helping out a city, a U.S. city. Yeah, and you referenced my favorite part of that whole story. And it was uh, President Boyd K. Packer and presiding Bishop H. David Burton going into the disaster zone right after it had happened. And, and President Packer was so simple in his words. He said, we've come here to be with you. He just They just wanted to send a message with their presence. That happens so often. We, we have witnessed a different kind of, of church leaders being with the members. January uh, will be the three-year anniversary of President Nelson uh, leading the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. In that time, he has traveled the world and uh, many opportunities and many times we have been with him. Uh, talk about that compared to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, the person you see on TV in President Nelson is the person he really is. He's carrying and... Uh, as as we view him, we see him in the hotel, we see him before meetings, we see him at lunch, we see him driving to appointments, we see him everywhere. You and I have seen this. And he's as quick to talk to the little guy as he is to another general authority. I mean, he, he'd probably rather talk to the guy pushing the broom 
than he would somebody else. He's quick to talk to the five-year-old as he is the 95-year-old. So, boy, I got to tell you, this he's an incredible man, and I've not seen anyone like him. I remember being on the on his first world ministry tour, uh, which was uh, just after uh, members sustained him as prophet in April, and um, we were in Thailand, yeah. and and you came running out after the meeting and said, "President Nelson just picked up a child. He it, it wasn't a baby. It that that little boy was was pretty old. That was, um, you know." Even President Nelson talked about that photograph for a little while after. So he, in these early tours, he would often leave the podium, the stage, and walk with the other general authority that he was with and his wife, Wendy, and he would greet the crowd. He would he would uh, have his hand up and he'd be touching hands, he'd be shaking hands, and often these children would not walk to him. They would run to him. They would run. And these hordes of kids would come around and, and he would often go down on a knee and he'd be down there on their level. And in this case, he saw this bigger kid that he picked up. He just picked him up. So at the time, President Nelson is 93 years old. This is, this is not a young man. In his mind, in our minds, we're young. But President Nelson is 93 years old and he picks up this larger child and he holds him and he's talking to him and, and his wife, Wendy, sister, Wendy is right there and, and it made for this just beautiful, beautiful little moment. And later we come to find out that this child has cancer. And did President Nelson know that? I don't know. But he zeroed in on this one child and he gave him a lift physically and spiritually. I remember another time when the children were just drawn to President Nelson. It was after a, a devotional in Paraguay, uh, they just seemed to run to him. Their parents didn't send them to him. Uh, he didn't call them to him. I remember Elder Gary E. Stevenson, who was traveling with him as a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, later said that, that he thought those children were drawn to the love of the Savior they could feel in President Nelson. Uh, do, you, do you remember that moment? I will never forget that moment. I can I can visualize it right now, and it, he came to that kind of stage right and was leaving and was going to kind of cut out the back of the room, and these kids came. And now, as a photographer, you got to think about this. President Nelson has security. He has big men around him, <laughs> and their job is to keep people away. Now, they're going to let the little kids come through, but for me, holding a camera, they want to keep me away. And this was early on, and we didn't know them as well as we do now, but I'm fighting with security to get in there because I'm seeing this wonderful, wonderful image. And so I'm kind of throwing elbows. you got a couple other local photographers. There's some videographers that are there. So we're all kind of jostling. But this was just a gorgeous, gorgeous moment. And these kids, they're so innocent. They're so beautiful. And and President Nelson recognizes this, and he, he... he understands how important it is that people see him and and people are crying and they're reaching out for him and these kids are are just beautiful and, and it just made for this really striking photograph. And I remember later on Wendy 
we were, I think we were at the airport the next day and she says, President Nelson really loved that picture. <laughs> it's like, that's music to my ears. Thank you. Well, that's because he got down on his knees <sighs> to be right at the kids level. And so you had this, this modern day prophet surrounded by children. It, it was, it was biblical. I mean, if you think about the Savior and how he loved the children, and and it's just so symbolic and so similar to that same situation, it was it was just remarkable. And uh, I remember also on that same tour, Elder Stevenson had said uh, while he was giving a talk, he says, "You know, you read the headlines of the day. There's disaster here. There's something over here, and this sports team did this, and and we read all these headlines." But he said the headline should read, "There's a prophet on the earth." And there's a prophet in your city right now. And I, that's always stuck with me, always. And so maybe that's part of it. It's like, will they ever get to see President Nelson again? Probably not. This was, this was a pretty key moment. There are so many moments from that tour. I remember my favorite moment of the tour was uh, when we were at a stadium in the basement uh, in Peru. And uh, this young girl um, actually uh, yelled out to President Nelson, and she says, "What do I, what do I do if my parents aren't active in the church?" And he turned and he looked her in the eyes, and he said, "You and I are just alike." And and this happened uh, moments after he had met with the president of that nation, and yet he's turned, he's talking to her, and he's saying, "We're just the same." I'm. I'm as humble as this child in Peru. And and then he talked about his own upbringing and the fact that, that when he was a young boy, his parents had not been active in the church either. And he gave her some really profound direction, and it was, your family and your friends will know the light of the Savior. They will recognize it when they see it in you. Hmm. And um, that's something we've... We've seen all over. It it was great to be in Rome with President Nelson and uh, have him and all of the First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve stand in front of ancient uh, apostles and the, uh, the Christus statue and take a, an iconic picture. You were in charge of, of making sure that that picture came off. You were the photographer then. Was that a little bit of pressure? No pressure at all. Yes, yes, yes. The pressure was there. What's interesting about the picture is they gave us some headway. They gave us some lead time. And so they said, we want to do a picture. This is an iconic temple. We're going to, I mean, we had to keep this under wrap. They said, do not tell your wife. Do not tell your kids. Don't tell anybody that the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve are all going to be there. So the, uh, a few months before this picture was taken, they said, go over, scout it out, figure out a place to shoot this picture, report back, and let us know what you found. So we went over and looked everywhere. We went into the temple. We went into the foyer. We went into the celestial room. We were looking everywhere where we could shoot this beautiful picture of 15 um, general authorities. And we looked at the visitor center. We looked outside the visitor center. We looked on the grounds. And we went everywhere and, and we took pictures and we figured out the time of day. And they had come to us and said, we really want to shoot this picture at 4.30 in the afternoon. And we said, 
we our findings were that you can't do that. If we shoot this in the visitor center with the Christus behind you, with the 12 statues of the apostles, the sun's going to be right in your eyes. You'll be squinting. It'll be horrible. And we told them that. We said, we cannot do this and make you look good. So then we scouted draping the windows and we tried to figure out some different things. But the bottom line is they took our recommendations. They said, President Nelson said, we, we need to do this at 11 o'clock. We've got to do this at 11 o'clock. And he said, okay, we'll make it happen. We'll, the sessions will be moved around. We'll, we'll just do it. And so as, as we're doing this picture, I'm thinking this is pretty amazing because I get to tell them what to do. <laughs> How many times do you get to do that? I'm, I'm kidding. I'm You're kidding. the only one. I'm, I'm kidding. You know, I, I got to tell you, though, this. President Nelson is so humble, and he just nods his head and says, what do you want me to do? I'll, I'll do it. So anyway, we lined up these chairs. We've got the Christmas behind him. We've got the 12. And I was a little worried because some of the, some of the 12 are a little stoic. Let's just say that. And I was worried. I really was worried that we wouldn't get a smile. There was nothing further from the truth. These men were having such a ball. They were having such a great time. They were happy to be there. They were smiling. They were they were shooting cell pictures of each other, and their wives were shooting pictures. And there's like, Jeff, come please shoot this picture. I want to be by Peter, uh, Elder Uchter. I want to be by Paul, and I want to be by John. And you know, all these all these apostles are are, are just having a great great time. And so the time comes. We're going to shoot them in their dark suits, and then right after that, we're going to have them dress in their temple whites. And so we, we line them up. Everybody's happy. The lighting's perfect. The apostles and the first presidency are perfect. And there's a crowd kind of in the room, and they're all watching and shooting their cell pictures. And this moment all came together, and we were prepared. We were ready and the picture came off really nice. So get it. we shot the two pictures, dark suits, white suits inside. Then we went outside, dark suits, white suits. And it was, it, it just was a beautiful scene. Yeah, the symbolism of that moment of the Savior and his ancient apostles and modern day prophet and apostles carrying on the work that started millennia ago was just so profound. It was amazing. This moment... <laughs> was incredible and i was very happy to do that he actually called the rome temple dedication a hinge point in the church mm. and uh from that event uh we went forward with with new momentum that i could feel i'm sure you felt it um i i think every latter-day saint in the world felt it and uh, i remember another moment when i thought i can't believe i get to to be a part of witnessing this was last year when we were in Guatemala. And this is a stadium. It's filled with people. And um, you've got more than 20,000 local Latter-day Saints. And yet when, when President and Sister Nelson walked in, it was silent. They stood and there was a reverence there. You could have heard a pin drop. It's amazing because if you think about that quiet little moment these people had been in that stadium for hours before. They wanted to bring these people in early and get them seated and be ready. Because, I mean, you're talking about a – you've got a multitude of people here. And so they had been in there and they were hot and they were hungry and they were tired. And as soon as he walked in, 
It was there. The respect was there. The reverence was there. Spirit was there. And you can compare that to covering basketball games and mm. football games and and rock concerts, mm. where where people respond a little differently to whoever is going to be on the stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, they th- these people in Guatemala are, are something else, and they're getting another temple. <laughs> so uh, that brings that'll be the fourth temple. Uh-huh. I think in Guatemala. In Guatemala. So you can see how truly great they are. Uh-huh. You can you can see that. And when they left, when President Nelson left that day after the devotional, they they waved white handkerchiefs, and you were sort of behind him, and you took this picture that is one of my favorites. Tell us about taking that photo. You know, so if if you think about photography, generally you want to be in front of your subject. You want them facing you, or maybe just off a forty five degree angle, and that's generally your shot. I mean, that's what you, you try to shoot. Sometimes you just have to go with something totally different and it's standing behind them. And you think, how in the world are you going to get anything looking at their backs? And this one paid off. I mean, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't, but, but these beautiful handkerchiefs and, and, and they're waving them and the crowd is waving them. And this, this, this whole spirit about the place was incredible. I mean, you're talking about this massive soccer stadium. I mean, this thing is huge and it's spread out. And yet everybody is in that key moment focused on what's truly important. And it's this message that President Nelson brought them. I mean, it's a message that is so simple that a lot of people never get, but these people get it. They get it. Now let's compare and contrast that to what uh, happened just a few months later in um, Southeast Asia, where uh, in Guatemala you have thousands of people in a stadium. And in Vietnam, we were in a, a hotel ballroom with hundreds. I, I This is remarkable, and we were kind of scratching our heads too. It's like, wait a minute, I thought he wanted to see just as many people as possible. I mean, we that's what I was thinking. And yet it makes so much sense. Think about these beautiful Vietnamese people, and they're dressed in their native, natural, beautiful colors, and they're it was it was remarkable. I mean, you could just turn your camera and shoot pictures, and everything looked great. And yet, there were only a few hundred people in there, and it makes sense because President Nelson is maybe not worried about the masses. He might he's worried about the one. He's worried about that one person. He wants to touch that one person. And if you think about the gospel, that's it. I mean, it is. It's that one person. If you save one, how great shall be your joy. And so it was, that was wonderful. Well, Jeff, I have so appreciated having you with me today. I'm going to let you have the final word on this podcast. Uh, If you could tell us what you know now after having the opportunity to photograph and record photos of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, of documenting a living record of the Restoration, what would that be? What do you know now that you didn't know before having a chance to photograph the Church? President Nelson's wife, Wendy, came to us after one of these devotionals, and she said, President Nelson was on his knees praying for each of you journalists by name last night. And 
he wanted you to be able to do the best job you could to be the eyes and ears for the masses. And boy, that smacked me like a two by four. It's like, are you kidding? He doesn't, he doesn't have to pray for me, but he is. He cares about the one. He cares about that one person. He's not worried about the distractions of the world. He's not worried about impressing anybody. And I think that one day, I think it was in Bengaluru, India, President Nelson was looking for a new site for the temple in Bengaluru, India. But he was on top of a building a couple stories up and he's looking, he's looking, I'm photographing him. And as we went down, as I went to get on the elevator, he jumped in, he says, can I ride with you? And just then Elder Holland jumped in, he says, I want to get in too. And the thing that impressed me is that President Nelson tries to make everybody important. And he was asking me questions and he was asking me what what I thought of this and how I got pictures to there and and. and he was genuinely interested in that one person in me. And so what I take away is that President Nelson is truly the Lord's prophet on this earth. He is truly the man for this time. He is perfect right now for what he's doing. And that is leading us back to our Savior. He's perfect at getting us closer to God. You have been listening to the Church News Podcast. I'm your host, Church News Editor, Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you've learned something today about The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the Church News window. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com. 